0: Stories just for you. We hope you enjoy your stay here. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Sinister Tales. We'll be sharing horror or mystery stories. Now, the stories that you listen tonight, they are just for entertainment purposes only. Please do not be obsessed and take them too seriously. It's just for you to enjoy, nothing more. Now, the stories that I've gathered are mainly focused in Southeast Asia since that's where I'm at. And it's natural that the stories center around here. However, please do feel free to email me your stories to the email address on the description. And if it's spine-chilling enough, who knows, I might just read it. Now, without further ado, let us move on to our first story for the night. Okay, this story comes from a guy named Matt, who is a friend of mine. It happened probably somewhere back in 2018 or 2019. Basically, we have this thing called National Service. If you don't know what that is, it's basically a national policy that all male citizens have to serve a mandatory service in the uniform sector. This can be either in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Police, Firefighter or Medic. So he was a Provost in the Civil Defence and was stationed at Civil Defence Academy or CDA for short, that's where they train future firefighters or medics, to make things even better, quote unquote, better, CDA is pretty close to a cemetery, and when I say close, I mean right beside, anyway, he was a provost and was working night shift that night. It all started pretty normal. He'd be stationed at the front gate of CDA, receiving recruits, trainees or trainers that are entering the camp. He'd do an inspection on their belongings and person to make sure they're clean and they're not smuggling any prohibited items into camp. So he'll be busy at the start of the night shift but would wind down eventually around midnight. That's where he would do his night patrol around CDA checking up on fences, if there's any damages, any suspicious person who somehow may have entered camp apart from the front gate, or if any trainees are sneaking around camp when it slides out. Of course, he wasn't alone when he was patrolling. He had a partner with him, named someone named Chong. They'll patrol the perimeter of the camp and go to specific spots to flush out any illegal activities or suspected to have some illegal activities going on. It was during this patrol when Chong decided to speak to Mud. Eh, I just realised something. What? Mud asked. Tonight seems very... quiet. Isn't that like all other nights? No, 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 like... I mean, the air seems pretty... uh, I don't know how to put it. Dead tonight. Okay, why trying to pull here? I- I'm not. I'm just trying to tell you that something feels off. Okay, calm down. It's probably just in your imagination. Okay, relax. Just do your job. Don't think too much. And we'll be back at front gate. Chong, of course, didn't seem too happy with much response. But he couldn't argue back since he didn't have concrete evidence to prove his point. That and perhaps he thought his instincts might be wrong. They continued to check up on the perimeter of the camp and soon they would check up on certain secluded places of the camp. All this while Mud noticed Chong kept turning behind. He didn't pay heed at first, but after Chong kept turning his head multiple times, Mud grew curious and checked his rear too. However, he saw Nothing. He stopped walking and fully turned his body around to get a good look. He focused on the trees nearby, the bushes, some dark corridors. Nothing. Xiong, noticed Mud stopped to look behind, also followed suit. He went up to him and asked, Do you see anything? No. I was just curious on why on earth you're checking our rear for. Oh, nothing I I thought maybe we might have missed a spot when patrolling. At that moment, Mud knew Chong's response was weird. They have been doing this night patrol for about four months, so it's impossible for them to miss a spot. However, at that point in time, Mud didn't arrive to this thought. He just knew Chong's response was odd but couldn't exactly point out what was odd. So they continued their patrol before arriving to this building called The Furnace. It's a simple, tall building structure that looks worn down. It's actually a building that simulates the firefighters on rescue operations and how they will put out fires in a building. So they have special rooms where will be on fire and they need to put it out. Is usually a common place for trainees to sometimes sneak to smoke a cigarette when there is no training, of course. So they're supposed to flush out anyone who does this activity inside the building. Mud and Chong were also given another task, which were to turn off the lights and fans as they patrol. So if they were to see any training sheds or certain corridors, where the lights are still on or the fans are still on, they're supposed to turn it off. So when they were doing Patrols, they found out that the furnace, only the top floor was lit. For example, the furnace has six floor. Only the 6th floor was lit and the rest were dark. Normally, they have to climb to the top of the floor to turn off the lights. But luckily for them, the furnace has a main control unit. This main control unit can turn on and off the lights of any floor they want without having to climb up the building. However, there's a catch. If someone were to climb up the building earlier in the day and turn on the lights on that particular floor, then the control unit cannot be turned off. They'd have to climb up to that floor and turn off from there. Wah! These trainers left the lights on. Is it that difficult to turn it off once they're done training? Mud complained. Hey, Chong, I'll go to the control unit to turn off the lights. You stay here and check if it's turned off. Hopefully, the trainer turned on the lights from the control unit and not from the top floor. Chong agreed. Mud walked up to the control unit and tried to turn off the lights at the top floor. Mud. Was now quite a distance from Chong, turned to him and asked if it's off. Uh, no, 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 it's not off. Ah, now we need to climb up. Mud hated the fact that he needs to climb up just to turn off the lights. He then gestured to Chong to follow him when Chong held him back. Mud was surprised and asked him, What's wrong? Could we... Could we just skip this instead? I mean, you have heard the stories, right? What stories? You know, this place is... Uh... Chong turned his head to the left and right, as if he feared something or someone hearing it. This place is... Uh... It's haunted, Chong whispered. Okay, look, you've been acting pretty weird tonight. First you said the air was dead, then you kept checking our rear now this okay it's night it's dark it's quiet i understand it can give people the creeps however i just need you to relax it's nothing it's all in your imagination come let's go we have to turn off the lights mud noticed chong was reluctant to follow but he had no choice chong couldn't just leave mud alone to go up if Let's say Mut was injured during his ascent or if anything happened to him, the higher-ups would ask if Chong was there to help. If he didn't follow Mud, there'll be serious consequences later on. So they made their ascent to the top floor. Mut and Chong at first climbed at a steady pace. The staircase was enough to fit just about one person. So one person had to be in front leading the other will be behind and Chong was behind. They were going at a steady pace at first and then as they get higher and higher Mud's pace began to decline and Chong noticed this as well but he just kept quiet. He thought maybe Mud might be tired from his ascent. However, Mud noticed that whatever Chong said earlier on now makes sense. He understood what he meant when he said the air was dead. He looked around as he climbed up the floor, looking at the long dark corridors, which were especially eerie and silent. He also noticed that there was no wind that night. For some reason, the place was warm, warmer than usual. He began to have goosebumps, and the feeling only grew stronger as he approached the top floor. It was as if someone or something was telling him to leave the area. Upon reaching the top floor, Mud didn't act upon his intended actions immediately. Chong who was behind Mud was silent throughout. Mud calmed himself down before he went over to the switch, which was at the far end of the corridor. He made his way over. As he reached at the switch, he placed his finger on the switch, ready to turn off the lights. And when he turned behind to look for Chong, he noticed he wasn't behind mud. Chong? Chong? Chong's head then popped up from around the corner. What are you... I thought you were behind me. Never mind. Stay there and in the center, please, so that I know where you are. Chong did as he was told. Mud didn't lift his gaze at Chong even as he switched off the lights, afraid that Chong might make a run for it. Surprisingly, Chong didn't. At least at first. As Mud slowly made his way back to Chong, he felt as if someone was behind him but he didn't think too much about it. He thought maybe it was just his imagination but as he kept walking towards Chong, he felt something brushing against his legs. He thought perhaps it might be a bug that's brushing against his legs so he began to rub his legs together just to get rid of the bug and then suddenly felt that his legs were getting heavier for some reason as if something was holding him down but even so he was so fixated on this so-called bug that was brushing against his leg that he grew irritated and bent down to swipe off the bug as he was bending down to swipe off the bug what he saw terrified him in the middle of a swiping he saw a hand so pale, extended between his legs, grabbing his right calf forcefully. He was shocked and immediately smacked the hand away. As soon as he smacked the hand away, he heard a whisper saying, Hey! Chong, who was a few meters away from Mud, screamed, Mud! Hurry! Run! Chong didn't even look behind to see if Mud was following him. Mud then felt shivers down his spine, as he now knows there was something or someone behind him. He didn't even want to look behind, he just bolted towards the stairs and ran down. In that moment, he felt betrayed that Chong would rush down, but it didn't matter as soon he was overcome by the feeling of fear. So he ran down the stairs as quick as he can, but since it was dark, he tried his best to safely navigate every step. When he descended down, the only thing that he could hear was his own footsteps and his own breath as he hurriedly descended down the stairs. And of course he could hear Chong over at a distance below him running down as well. But it was at this time as well. He heard something else. He heard another sound from behind him that seems to also want to hurriedly make their way down as well. Matt's heart was pounding and he was thinking, Oh my God, really? Now? That thing is chasing me? He could swore his heart was about to burst from his chest, but he continued making his way down the flight of stairs without any issue, thankfully. But at some point of his descent, he almost slipped. When he reached to level one or on the ground floor, he saw Chong at a distance, waiting for him. He sprinted towards Chong, fearing that the, whatever was chasing behind him might still come after him. Chong, who was standing straight, facing towards Mud, waiting for him, began to develop some sort of fear within him, because when he saw Mud running towards him. It gave him this anxiety that he should also run away as well. So he began to bend his knees and angle his body partially towards the guard post, getting ready to spin back. But then Mudd called out, Wait! <sighs> Wait! <sighs> Chong, who was tense, didn't relax his posture and maintained that well until Mudd caught up. <sighs> Just stop. <sighs> <laughs> Mud tried to catch his breath with every sentence. But then Chong said, Later, later. For now, let's head back to post." The duo then quickly made their way back to post. When they arrived, Mud was sweating all over. His heart was still beating fast. A few of the other provosts began to comment on their appearance. Hey, why are you sweating? Just one patrol and you're sweating like this? The other provosts, interrupted and said no 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 no! this cannot be from just a normal patrol you ran back but we want to know why mud who was still trying to catch his breath gestured to the others to hold for a moment they all understood finally when he was feeling better he opened up to the rest on what happened i was making my way back after turning off the lights at the top floor before he could even finish One guy commented and said, Oh, you are brave. We all have heard the stories, you know, about that place. I might look over to him and nod. Yeah, I didn't believe at first. But now, I have no choice. He continued. I felt something brushing against my leg, thinking it was a bug. I bent down and tried to swap it off, but then I saw someone's hand extending from my leg when I knew there was no one behind me at first. Everyone was silent. No one knew what to say, or dared to say anything. The others, who have been in this field for so long, know the stories surrounding the building. They could even mark certain areas in the camp to avoid at night, and even if they need to be there, they will do so as quickly as possible and be on their way. Chong, who was silent throughout, finally spoke. You know, when you turned off the lights, I was making your way back. Uh huh. At first, there was nothing. But then I saw something following behind you. Crawling on all fours. But it's not like how you imagine. Normally you crawl with your palms supporting the upper body and knees for lower, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how we normally crawl. Even babies crawl like that. Exactly. But this was different. It was crawling with the palms supporting the upper body, which is normal. But instead of the knees, its feet were supporting the lower body. Strong was explaining to Mud about this. Both their eyes widened with fear. And when you bent down to swipe, I saw that it stopped just behind you and grabbed your cuff. That's when I told you to make a run for it. Mud then explained the rest of his story to others. Everyone was listening intently. Their minds were obviously disturbed. After some time. It was the next group of guys to go on the patrol. They braced for whatever that was going to happen that night. After what seems like ages, the other group came back and asked Mud, Mud, you did turn off the lights, right, on the top floor? Yeah. Why? Well, we went for a patrol, and we saw that the top floor was still lit, so we decided to turn off from the control unit. But unfortunately. It didn't turn off, so we knew then we had to climb up to turn it off. So, did you went back up? No. After tonight's incidents, I think we should just leave it. Is it alright? Yep. The higher-ups understand since strange things always happen at night. Ah, uh, poor Mud. In the end, he didn't even have to climb up to turn it off. Oh well, sometimes, you know, things happen, right? They overlook certain matters and then explain properly. So I think he was hearing a lot of stories on what will happen, but never hear what safety precaution to take or what things he could have done, you know. I guess they forget to tell him. But yeah, there are a lot of horror stories when it comes to national service. Recruits and trainees, even trainers, have things to share. So when I was a recruit, I heard a lot of stories from my friends, my trainers, you know, of what they experienced or what some other people have experienced. And it's pretty interesting to know that there are two types of people when it comes to strange phenomena. One is someone who will personally experience this strange phenomenon and the other who have heard of someone that have experienced this, you know. So it's pretty interesting to see these two people coming together and then just share their stories. You know, I still have a lot more of stories from National Service, but let me just go ahead and share with you one more. This time is from the Trainers Experience. This story was shared by a trainer in civil defense about three to four years ago. As a trainer, his job is to train recruits, keep them disciplined and take care of their well-being throughout their one or three-month training. By day, the job seems normal since it involves taking care of three to four platoons and he was always busy. By night, things started to wind down but doesn't mean that there wasn't much to do. He had to patrol the bunks of each platoon to check if they're asleep or not. By lights out, everyone has to stop using their phones or whatever activity they were doing and go to sleep. He was with his partner Raj that night. So Josh and Raj were walking up to each bunk and checking from outside their window. The first few bunks were quiet as they walked to the last few bunks, this incident happened. They arrived at one of the platoon's bunk and stood outside checking from their window as he peered into the room. Okay, let me give you a picture on how the room looks like. So, just imagine a rectangular room and there are rows and rows of double-decker bunk beds. And at the far end of the room, there's another set of windows and this window okay you can basically peer outside to see cemetery basically the cemetery you see headstones and whatnot now you know how the room looks like right let's go back into the story now as he peered into the room he saw what seemed to be someone with a blanket over their head sitting at the edge of their bed that figure was facing the window that can oversee the cemetery. So this lone figure was sitting up, looking outside. That night, the peace and quiet was broken by the trainer. Excuse me, recruit. Please go back to sleep. What are you doing? No response. Repeated his line of questioning again. Hey, what are you doing? The figure did not respond. His partner tried to ask the same questioning, but no response. He looked at his partner and both of them shook their head. As much as the trainer would like to find fault, he would rather not on that night since he just wants to do a simple patrol and retreat back to the trainer's bunk to rest up. However, a job is a job and if he needs to discipline his recruits, he had no choice. So he entered the bunk with his partner and approached the figure. As both the trainer entered and were halfway into the bunk, the door behind them slammed shut. Both trainers were surprised by the sudden noise and looked behind. Thinking it must be the wind that blew the door shut, they just ignored it and turned to face the figure. It was just about a second or two, but as they turned back, they noticed that the figure disappeared. The blanket on the bed was neatly folded as if it was never touched to begin with. And what was weird is that there was no crease whatsoever on the bed. Normally, when someone is sitting on the bed, there would be some crumple or crease, but there wasn't any. It was as if No one sat there to begin with. Eh, wasn't... wasn't there... Before he could finish, his partner Raj interrupted. Yeah, there was someone here. They searched under the bed and around it. No one could have quickly folded the blanket and hide or run away during the time when they turned around. It was only for that split second. No one could have ran past them since they were blocking the exit and... No one could have jumped out of the window because the windows are made up of a small rectangular window panes that open up when you pull down the latch. So it was impossible for anyone to fit in. And even if they did jump out, well, they'll be suicide because they are on the fourth floor. So they were both confused but they still went around and checked around the bed and around the vicinity as well. It was then... They felt a chill down their spine and both of them were getting goosebumps. His partner tapped him on the shoulder frantically. Eh, eh, eh. No, 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 no. He was puzzled at what got his partner jumpy and turned behind to see him where he was pointing. It was then he noticed everyone had the same sleeping position. Though he couldn't call it sleeping. Their bodies were straight, facing the ceiling, their arms folded to make an X sign, like how the dead rested, and the most weird and creepy part of all. Their eyes were wide open and were grinning from ear to ear. His partner shouted for everyone to stop playing a prank and that they'll be disciplined if they continue to do so. It was in the middle of the tense moment they then later heard a lady humming eerily behind them. Behind them were the windows that faced outside the cemetery and that humming was faint but it was loud enough to confirm that there was someone behind them which was impossible. How could someone be behind them when they're at the fourth floor, unless... Both of them looked at each other and straight away bolted towards the door. They tried to open the door, but couldn't. It was as if someone from the other side blocking it. They slammed and kicked the door, trying to force the door to open. In the middle of the chaos, Josh could hear the faint humming got louder and louder, and louder. It was as if whatever that was outside the window had finally entered the room and was slowly but surely closing in on them. Josh rate was pounding vigorously and with renewed vigour, he finally gave a final push to force open the door. They ran straight to the trainer bunk, The other trainers have already fallen asleep. Even as they made that much noise when they entered the bunk, surprisingly, no one woke up. Raj drew the curtains, covering the windows nearest to the door. Josh, on the other hand, fumbled his way to the other end of the room to draw the curtains. They then went to their beds and pulled the blanket covering their mouths, their eyes monitoring and switching every now and then from the windows nearest to the door to the opposite end. They couldn't sleep because they feared for whatever that was chasing behind them earlier could be outside their window. Or worse, it might try to enter their bunk. They continued to monitor the situation. And then, finally, something happened. The sound didn't came from the windows near the corridor. It came from the opposite end of the room came from the window that was facing the cemetery Josh and Raj quickly turned their heads towards the window that was making the sound Since they've drawn the curtain they couldn't see exactly what was tapping the window but they saw a shadowy figure outside the window that's tapping Josh was fixated on the shadowy figure but Raj looked over to Josh who was right across of him and said, "Oi. Josh. Josh." But Josh didn't respond. He was still focused on the window. "Josh. Hey." And then Josh snapped out of it and looked over to Raj and said, "What?" Raj then said, "What do we do? This is how we do?" What now." Josh just shrugged his shoulder because he himself doesn't know what to do. Both of them continued to look at the window, and then the tapping stopped. The shadowy figure then moved on, and they just watched as it glides away from the window and disappear. Josh and Raj were still looking at the window, thinking that it might come back, but then nothing happened. It seemed that, The worst has passed for now, but they couldn't sleep, fearing that perhaps it might come back again, just teasing them, and then they heard it again. This time, the tapping came from the corridor and they saw the same shadowy figure. Josh and Raj looked over to each other, and then Raj, who couldn't contain his fear, ran over to Josh, screaming, she Josh, who saw Raj making a lot of noise and running over to his bed, began to scream as well. And they were making so much noise that the entire bunk woke up. Both Raj and Josh were on the same bed, just covering their faces. The entire bunk woke up and someone turned on the lights. The rest asked, "He weapon, weapon, weapon come down, come now, come down weapon!" And then as they opened their eyes, they saw that everyone has woken up and the lights were turned on they look over to the window and saw nothing but Josh asked someone to check outside the corridor just to see if anyone was there and one of the trainers went out and took a look and they saw nothing he came in and said "Hey, eh, there's nothing outside Josh and Raj didn't want to explain as they were still traumatised and they were exhausted so Josh said uh it's okay it's okay tomorrow i will tell you story For now can we all just go to bed i'm sorry that we just woke you up sorry sorry so everyone just shrugged and then one of the trainers turned off the lights everyone went back to bed and this time they didn't have any problems apparently it might not have been a prank by the recruits after all Now, that story has a lot of questions left unanswered, like, if it was a prank, how did the recruits pull it off? And if it wasn't a prank, who was humming outside the window? What was that thing? Either way, there is something I think no one wants to experience. The fact that it involves such a large skill involving the recruits is actually really terrifying. Well, in any case, I'm glad I didn't experience any of this when I was in National Service. Now, if you'd like to hear more National Service story, let me know in the comments and in the next episode, I'll try to find some more. You could also email me to the email address in the description of your own story. Okay, now moving on to the next story. This one comes from a security guard who's working the graveyard shift when he experienced something unsettling. Come, let's listen to his tale. I work as a security guard for a certain company back in the early 2000s. I no longer work for them as I've had a better paying job elsewhere. That and I no longer need to work the graveyard shift. Back then, they pay relatively more if you work the graveyard shift. I didn't know the reason at first, since you do similar tasks as the day shift. However, as I worked in that field for long, I figured that it's because they were lower manpower, and to attract people to work at such an ungodly hour, they raised the salary slightly. Since I was young and hungry, I went for it, thinking it wasn't that big of a deal. I was deployed to guard an office building. My tasks ranged from receiving visitors, exchange their IDs, guard an observation post, man the CCTV, and conduct night patrol. That night, I was rostered to man the CCTV. In the CCTV room, you were not alone. I was with two other security guards. One of them have been working far longer than I have, about 10 years, and the other was fairly new about four months into the job. They were both in their late 40s or 50s. When I was deployed there, they were surprised as to why such a young man such as myself would want to work security. They advised me to upgrade myself and that young ones should look for a job elsewhere that has better working condition and pay. I just smiled to them whilst listening, never thinking too much about my future back then. By that time, I was somewhat familiar with manning the CCTV on my own since I'd been thought a few weeks back. The other two guards let me man the CCTV so that I can get even more experience with it whilst the two of them will make their rounds in a few hours' time. When it was time to make their rounds, I sat there fiddling around the different cameras. There were various monitors for me to watch and I monitored the two of them that just left They were together for a short while, before they split off at a certain junction. The oldest would patrol around the perimeter of the building, whilst the other guard would patrol inside the building, but just level one or ground level. I watched the older guy patrol outside the perimeter of the building. It was mostly normal. As he made his rounds, he occasionally stopped to chat with the people at the observation post. I find it boring, I had no need to monitor him any longer. So I switched to the other guy that was patrolling inside the building. As the building was dark and the lights were off to conserve energy, the camera used infrared to capture footage at night. Of course, the power was not completely off. They could turn on the lights whenever they wanted, but that would mean they had to turn it off again. The owner of the building was very particular on conserving energy. And if they found out the guards forgot to turn off the lights, they would throw a huge fit at them. So, to save them the trouble, they never bothered with the lights. The guard used his torchlight to navigate through the dark corridor, and soon he came to a T junction. In the middle of that T junction, there was a wooden bench, and beside it, a vending machine. He stopped by the vending machine to buy himself a canned drink. However, I noticed something odd. I saw a lady sitting on the bench. I was leaning on my chair when I saw this, and then I suddenly straightened myself and viewed the footage closer. I couldn't make out her face since her hair was covering it. The guard, after purchasing the drink, stopped there to enjoy his drink. He was very close to the lady, but it didn't seem like he could see her at all. I knew this because he didn't even look at her direction. As if she didn't exist. I was curious and used my radio to reach out to him. CCTV to Fidaos, over. Then over. over. Is there anyone else with you, over? Uh, negative, negative. I'm alone. Lee went to patrol the perimeter, over. Royer, out. I sat there, stunned. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to tell him what I'm seeing over the radio, but I didn't want to cause unnecessary panic to him, so I just continued observing him for a few moments. As he finished his drink, he went over the bin and disposed of it before continuing on to another dark part of the building. The lady that was on the bench slowly stood up and followed the guard close from behind. The guard was making his rounds, would sometimes stop and look behind. And when he did, the lady was just behind him. But the guard didn't react. I knew this because he was looking past her. My hair started to stood on end. I knew I had to tell him to quickly get out of the building. As I was about to communicate via radio, the guard radioed to me instead. to CCTV? I think there's someone inside the building. Uh, I'm hearing you faint crying. Proceeding to check, over. I was shaking. I needed to act fast. I don't know what awaits him, but my instinct told me I needed him to get out of the building as soon as possible. CCTV to Tufidawus, over. Then, over. Please proceed back outside the building. Right now, over. Uh, let me f- check on this. Uh yeah, let me check on this first. Over, negative. You are to proceed outside right now. Over. Uh, Roger, Roger. I continued to observe him as I sent out my last transmission. My eyes were glued to the screen. He was confused as to why he needed to leave, but did so with little complaint. As he was leaving. I noticed the lady did not follow him. Instead, she stood there, unmoving, alone. I was curious as to why she wasn't following him, but felt relieved. I continued to watch the guard exit out of the building through the other screens that were available. He met up with the older guard and I can see them making their way back to the CCTV room. I let out a sigh of relief but then I was curious as to what happened to the lady. As I went back to look to the screen that the lady was last in, what awaited me was something I couldn't prepare for. As I turned back to look, the lady was no longer standing at her spot. She was there, all right, at the last camera I've seen, but this time, it was different. Instead of standing at the same spot, she was up close to the camera. Her face, I could make out, was extremely dark, as if rotten, and she was smiling into the camera. Her smile was abnormally wide and disproportionate. Her eyes were extremely creepy as she opened her eyes wide, wider than usual. I let out a scream and tipped over my chair, falling backwards, bumping my head onto the floor. I quickly got up, and just as I was about to leave the room, the duo came in. Seeing the chair tipped over, they asked me what's wrong. I stood there at loss for words. Do I tell them? Will they believe me? I decided not to reveal them anything, and instead chose to keep quiet. However, The older guard noticed I was pale and said, Ah, I know you saw something through the camera, right? I was surprised, and in that moment I felt the urge to tell him everything, but he continued, This is why I wanted you to work somewhere else. Yes, we lack of manpower, but it's not without reason. Because of what you saw has resulted in the lack of manpower. Not many people dare to work here. The next day, I requested to transfer to work at day shift, but my request could not be fulfilled due to the extreme lack of manpower. I continued to work there for several months, but whenever I was rostered to patrol inside the building, I would always have a companion accompanying me. It was less scary, but still, I often get the chills just by being at the T-junction. Oh, even when I was reading that, I could feel the fear and chills that he experienced. But it was really something, don't you think? The lady didn't follow the guard because perhaps she heard the comms as well. She was probably going to scare the guard that was in the building, but since the CCTV operator told him to get out, I think she was angry that he fought her plans. Honestly, if you think about it, that's kind of scary, if the ghost can think far. But yeah, security guards are one of the bravest people I've known because they already have a lot to deal with. The long working conditions, incompetent chain of command, and then those who work in the graveyard shift or any places that are eerie, they are very used to dealing with abnormality. So those who recently deployed there or those who recently started working at you know some particular place, those who have worked there for so long would be used to the abnormal events but those who are new will be like oh no 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 that's not normal but to them you know what that's pretty normal oh the knocking sound that you hear that's every monday oh the thing that fell down just now yeah every time you walk past that place that's gonna happen so <laughs> they are used to it already if any of you have any experience or have heard of anyone experiencing creepy tales from working as a security guard You can send in your email to the address on the description below. Okay, moving on to the next story. We have a student who studies at a secondary school. Secondary school would probably be similar to a high school. Anyway, it reads, Hi, my name is Sylvia, and I used to study at... Okay, I cannot name this secondary school because I'm afraid that if I were to name it, and because that school is associated with this story, I'm afraid that people might not want to go there to study. you know, so I was in my third year and I've chosen DNT or Design and Technology as one of my subjects. I was finishing up my project in the DNT room when I encountered a series of strange events. Come, let's listen to Sylvia's tale. Okay, like she said, she was working on a project. It was late afternoon and most of the students have either gone back, hanging out at the cafeteria, or some may still have classes that may stretch out to the evenings. It was about 5:15 pm if I recall, and there wasn't much students near the DNT block. The classrooms are nowhere near the DNT. There was only the basketball court and the gym that was nearby. However, there were no students at these areas, since it's already late afternoon. All of the other classmates and friends who took up DNT have either completed their work or are going to do it in the next few days. I, on the other hand, decided that I wanted to complete my project as soon as possible so that I can focus my time revising on other subjects. Thus, that afternoon, I was alone. And have gotten permission from the teacher to use the room under her supervision all was going well at first and i was halfway through completion when a teacher decided to use the restroom she left me alone for a while and i continued my work as usual it was then the event started there were various machines that were in the room and one of the machine which was a cutter used to cut planks or acrylic board, was turned on. It made a loud whirring noise, and I immediately looked up to see who turned it on. I thought that perhaps one of my classmates entered the room and decided to work on their project too. Ah, that's good. I'm not alone, was what I thought. However, there was no one there. Puzzled, I approached the machine and inspected Thinking perhaps it was some sort of mechanical error, I turned it off. I stood there for a good two minutes or so before proceeding back to work. I only took a few steps when the machine turned on by itself again. I stood there, stunned. My back was facing the machine, but I didn't want to turn around. The room suddenly felt chilly and eerie silence was once again broken by the loud whirring sound of the machine. I mustered up the courage to turn around slowly and indeed the same machine which had just turned off was back on again. I carefully approached the machine and this time I turned off the power and removed the plug from the socket. I was having negative thoughts at the moment but decided to inject some positive and rational thinking. It's alright. It's just some mechanical error. This machine is probably old. It's nothing to be afraid of. I kept telling myself over and over again. After calming myself down, I proceeded back to my work. For the next few minutes, it seemed like everything was back to normal. When I heard something from within the room, I stopped. And I looked around the room, but I saw no one. At this point, I was annoyed and shouted, Hey! Stop playing around! It's not funny, okay? I thought, perhaps it might be a prank from one of my classmates or friends. That is why I shouted those words. Feeling determined that it was a prank, I went out of the room. But there was no one around. I went up and down the corridor to see if they hit somewhere nearby. But nothing. I was truly alone. At that point, my rationale and positive thinking was dwindling, slowly being replaced by negative thoughts. Ah, must be one of my friends, wait, but if they were pranking me, where did they hide? Why? What if, what if that wasn't human, why was the room so chilly, why is it so silent? Where was the teacher? In my head, I was like, "Ah man, I really don't want to enter that room, but I had no choice. I have no idea when the teacher might be back, and even if I pack up to leave, I would need to enter the room. I hesitated. Each time I took a few steps to enter the room, I'd exit out. I probably did this back and forth for a while, and finally, I told myself to stop being okay she used the p word well i told myself to stop being a coward as i was about to turn around and head back into the room again i suddenly felt like someone was looming over me from behind i dismissed this feeling and was about to step into the room when i heard what's wrong and my entire body jolted as i spun around to see my teacher who was back from her business i shook my head and said Nothing, nothing. I just came back from the toilet too. I lied, of course. The teacher nodded, and we proceeded back to enter the room. Since company, I continued working on my project without any issue. Time went on, and it was approaching 6pm when the teacher suddenly said, Uh, Sylvia? Could you please pack up? I need to close the room now. I looked up at her, confused. Normally they close at 6.30pm, but I thought that maybe she needed to be somewhere and agreed anyway. I packed up my room and I noticed that the teacher would take quick glances past me. I turned around and saw that the storeroom iron door was left slightly ajar. Thinking that maybe the teacher wanted to close the door after I finished packing, I decided to help her out to close the door. It was then the teacher said, Sylvia, uh, where are you going? Oh, uh, to close the door. You've been glancing over this door, right? Uh, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, just take your stuff and leave. Oh, um, okay. I didn't thought much about it and just took my stuff and leave. Even after I left, she never said anything to me and I never even asked her why she had to close the room early. It was only a few weeks later when my friends were doing their project that I heard some of them saw a lady's head poking out from the storeroom and when my friend looked over it quickly retreated back to the storeroom. It was then I connected the dots and realised ah maybe that's what my teacher saw that time and perhaps the giggling also came from her as well. In any case I'm glad that I didn't get to see the ghosts up front. Honestly, I think Sylvia was pretty brave to stay at the DNT room for that long. For me, I would have immediately packed my stuff and leave when I heard the machine on for the second time. But if I had to complete my project as soon as possible, I think I would have left the room and waited for a teacher to come back. Then I'll continue my work. If not, I would have noped myself out of the room and just, you know, complete my project on the day when my friends are available as well, or my classmates. Just do together with them, and we'll get scared together. Strength in numbers, am I right? But yeah. I remember back when I was in school, I would often hear different tales from my friends and classmates on certain, uh, what you call that, uh, hotspots that the ghosts would appear or frequent to. Normally, these areas have some sort of hauntings or sightings. Then whenever we had a camping trip, we'd always tell horror stories when it's late at night. Sometimes when the story is so good, we'd want to hear more and we would listen and tell in the morning. As a continuation from last night oh man those were the days okay with all that being said and done we've actually arrived at the end of the program it's a very fun session for me and i i do apologize if my videos are scuffed and uh you know that there are a lot of room for improvements and i will get better i will get better i'll get better and I'll deliver quality content, you know, as I keep on uploading more videos. And perhaps, who knows, one day, I might just go live. Yeah, who knows. Oh, that's all for tonight. And I will see you next episode with more stories to tell. Alright, see you and fair winds.